Hey all, this is your host, Chris Muddy. Just wanted to do a quick intro to the podcast this week. Uh, I've gotten a lot of questions, primarily, who am I? So after this episode, we're going to do a little outro with a little introduction to myself. So please listen through to the episode's end, and then listen to just hear a little bit about me. Um, that will hopefully answer some questions and and get us on with the podcast. So take enjoy the episode. It's Jimmy Harrison. Cheers. Welcome to the Rugby Analyst Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Muddy. Today, I've got Jimmy Harrison as guest. He's he's the analyst for the USA Eagles. So, Jimmy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Chris. So, let's get started. Uh, where are you from and where's home now? Uh, so, born in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and I currently still uh, live here as well. Um, throughout my rugby career, I've I've always been based in St. Louis, and I've worked with um, Lindenwood University. was my first first coaching uh, introduction to, to rugby. So uh, I've been around uh, St. Louis. I'm still there, and now I, I work remotely, uh, which has kind of worked out with this quarantine. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, work remotely from some St. Louis. Uh, but like with USA, we're traveling all around the world. So uh, you can work from wherever as long as you're going with the team. All right, so you kind of alluded to it, but you're coaching. You're, you're the analyst for the USA Eagles, um, and how? And you started out with Lindenwood. Uh, so where else have you been on your coaching journey? Um, yep. So uh, I was at Lindenwood uh, as a graduate student back in 2015, and I was there for three years. Uh, but while I was at Lindenwood, I got involved with the uh, the USA U20s team and became their their analyst and was involved with the USA uh, uh, U20s team for two years. And then as the senior side uh, analyst stepped down, uh, he kind of mentored me in that position. Um, and so I've been there for two years now. Awesome. Um, and what's your favorite level of rugby to watch? Um, I really enjoy to watch uh, college rugby just because it's, it's uh, a great game. There's a lot of development. There's there's a lot of uh, I actually say room for improvement. So you, you can you can analyze a lot more than say if you go to a professional game. It's a lot more fine tuned. Although if if you pull up a Super Rugby match, it's, it's a pretty exciting free floating game um, versus a stop start game. You might be watching with, with the college game, but I feel like you can uh, learn a lot more from watching um, those developmental levels. Cool. And in your role, do you get to watch rugby? Do you get to watch college rugby as part of it, or are you mostly focused uh, on other international? Yeah. So, uh, with with the national team, we're always monitoring every player, every possible player we can. So, I'll watch high school matches, I'll watch college matches, a lot of MLR, and obviously overseas matches, overseas matches, just to keep up with the uh, the world's trends and, and the way rugby's going uh, worldwide. But yeah, absolutely, watch every level of rugby um, just to keep your pulse on on the talent in America. Cool, cool. And uh, I got to ask, what was the uh, World Cup like? Um, it, was, it was a pretty unbelievable experience. Uh, I'm trying to convince my wife to go over there and visit Japan a bit more. Just just Japan alone was a, a great country, and if you haven't been, I highly recommend uh, getting over there if you can and just experience the hosp- hospitality by the entire country. It's just phenomenal. Um, and everything was just first class when it came to the, you know game preparation and uh, the stadiums and uh, the footage that we got and, and everything was just first class. And it's what you expect at a world event like that. So 
that was definitely a really great experience and uh, I'm just very grateful that I got the opportunity to go to a, to an event like that. Like how immersed did you guys get into the culture or was it kind of pretty standardized like hotel, field? Like um, what was the experience like? Well, when we, when we went, since we were like one of the last teams to play, we actually had six days in uh, Okinawa, which was, it's, it's basically the island away from the main island. So uh, it was we, we experienced a lot of culture there because we were away from all the media. So we weren't, there was not a lot of chaos going around. So when we got to Okinawa, uh, we had a very formal greeting with, with uh, their Japanese uh, council was all there from, from the city. And so it was, it was, you know, it was a really great experience. They, they, they fed us, they did a, a, a giant tuna cut up, you know, a 70 kilogram tuna. It was huge <laughs> Put it on, a, on, a, on, a, on a table in front of it and chopped it up, did a, a few karate things for us as well. And, just really shows you the culture and how, how they, they, they welcomed you and every city we went to for that matter as well too. That's awesome. Uh, what was the food like? Uh, food is was unbelievable. It was, uh, I won one of the off days we went off to, down the, the Tokyo fish market and ate the freshest fish I've ever had in my, my life. You know, I was caught that, that morning or that, uh, the day before. So, yeah, the, the, you can't go wrong with food. There, everything's just delicious. You can find some of the best food on a on a street cart. Cool, cool. Um, great. So, getting into like kind of more of the analytics and the statistics of the game, what statistics are you analyzing for the team? Like, what are you guys focusing on? Um, well, we look at every every aspect of of the game, uh, and every instance a player has. So. We, we do look at everything, but really ones that we focus on are um, what we're trying to focus on for that week. So it might change from week to week, but we, we, we do focus a lot on physicality. So a lot in defensive uh, defensive context. So looking big in our dom- dominant hat tackles, uh, trying to minimize our missed tackles is always huge. We focus a lot on our defense. Uh, we do a lot of analysis of kicking game. Um, you can break kicking game up into a lot uh, of components, whether – you're chasing well or whether the kick was in the air or it was a combination of all, all those, or if you are when your transitions, when you kick as well, uh, was it a positive net gain or what was it, was it worth the kick or should it, should it, should it try to run instead of try to kick there? So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a ton and a ton of uh, data that we get, uh, and my job is really to, to mine through it and then give these the coaches some headline messages uh, that they can focus on to to improve for the next week or um, for, for the upcoming tours or campaigns. Cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, and what software are you guys utilizing at the international level? Um, so currently, we're, we use uh, Huddle Sports Code uh, is, is the main one that we use. Uh, we use Huddle as well to distribute the footage for the players, which is a, a pretty big tool right now with everyone being on lockdown. Uh, the guys are able to access the footage and re- review past matches. Um, but yeah, with Sports Code, uh, been using that for several years now. So uh, it's a pretty amazing tool. I- I've learned over the years that um, it-, it can do more and more. I learn more and more about it every day. So it's it's pretty it's pretty cool when once you start getting to the the grid of things and you have you have a powerful software like that that you can really do some proper analysis with. Then did you utilize that at Lindenwood as well, or? Uh, yes, yeah, we, we did use uh, SportsCode Lenwood as well. And there are a few other softwares out there as well. I believe the Next Sport, uh, Angles, um, and a few others that 
can do do a fair uh, do a fine job as well. Yeah, Harvard we use VidSwap, which has been pretty helpful. VidSwap. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, in what ways do you see statistics impacting your coaching? Um, well, I, just, I see that uh, statistics really they give you uh, your argument or your your message to the team uh, weight or it gives it strength. So if you come to the team and you, you can tell them, guys, we need to work on our, our breakdown retention because, and you give them the statistics of what 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 you, what you saw in the game or what the numbers showed you, and this, this guys, we want to improve these marks. Uh, so then you also set some some metrics and set set some some standards. Uh, that way you're you're able to uh, see if you hit your marks or not. Uh, if you're not, if you can measure, you can improve it. That's that's kind of what we we look at with uh, with the national team. So. We try to measure everything we can, whether it's packing at, passing accuracy to the time it takes a guy to get off the feet and into position. So, um, yeah, if you can measure, you can improve, and that's what we put into our uh, into our team, make it a, like a learning uh, environment. And so, passing accuracy, how does that work in huddle? Like, how do you guys track it? Um, yep. Yeah, so, well, with uh, with our software, we're able to break it up into. Uh, bits so we can watch all of one person's passes, all of the scrum out passes, and uh, all, all any pass that we want to do, and it's broken up in, in the certain categories so we can quickly review that. And then we can look at what kind of passes the player's making. So, and, and see what kind of game it was as well. So, if we have a ton of passes off from our number nine, but not too many off of 10, we knew we ran off of nine a lot this game. Um, then we can see if he's an effective passer as well by looking at the uh, giving them a rating of positive or negative and whether it was, uh, yeah. And then, uh, you go from there with, with the accuracy, it's a straightforward calculation once you have the positive and negatives. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then what trends are you seeing in the game today? Like where, where's the game heading? Um, well, as you, as we saw at the world cup, um, the ball and play and, and the, the just the, sh- the sheer physical requirement to be able to play for long periods of time um, has, has become a big a big uh, uh, component of the game. So, for instance, when you go play against a tier one nation, they might be able to play a four or five segment of nonstop rugby, which is pretty full on when you look at uh, most games a bit stop start, probably the average ball and play would be about 90 seconds. So we do a four or five minute segment of playing your players aren't used to that. They're going to be absolutely gassed. And you can see that when you, when you go from tier one to tier two, uh, it's the difference of the, the physical requirements. Uh, and then as always with the, with the adjusting rules and the tackle, uh, that's going to be a big, a uh, big area of concern. Uh, any, really any contact for, for the coming years as safety is the number one priority for, uh, for the referees, so they're going to be uh, keeping a, a fine uh, eye on on all the tackle and all the uh, the contact areas. So that needs to be coached really well, um, and it has to be very particular in how, how you uh, how you approach the uh, anything close up top or in the head area. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, in the mall, I think the mall has become a really powerful tool for uh, a lot of teams. You see a team like Africa win the World Cup because they have. And unstoppable malls, teams know it's coming, but you can't stop it. And a lot of referees don't know sometimes how to how to officiate it. And some teams can get away with something or defend it, uh, you know, illegally or 
uh, yeah, that's, that's an adapting one as well. And I just think the contact area will be a interesting thing to watch for the next couple of years. Yeah. Where do you see the height of the tackle going? Like there's been suggestions that it's going down to the waist, but kind of, are we expecting um, it to stay at the shoulders? Yeah. I think a waist, will get, you'll get a lot more swing tackles, which might be a bit of an issue. Uh, just people trying to duck down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, the, it'll, it'll be a, a discussion that the, the higher will have to make about how to, how to keep the tackle safe. And um, yeah, I don't think it can go much, much lower uh, than, than the ball or the chest right there. But yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting, interesting to see the. Uh, yeah, it's, it would certainly take away the double tackle, which has definitely become a trend in the game. Defenses utilizing yeah. that to slow down the ball. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, cool. What is um, what is a key metric that teams can focus on to improve their results? Um. Well, it, it, you got to cater kind of towards yourself, uh, and particularly what kind of team you are, what kind of team you want to play as. Uh, so if you're looking to play a, a really quick game, might you might say you you say you're a coach and you've got very limited time on reviewing. They are guys. We want to play quick. I'm going to measure our our ruck speed, and that'd be our, our main metric. And coach, he doesn't have much time, so he's got another job. He can do that one metric, and then we go to the practice next week and say, "Hey guys, here's our ruck speed." And we keep track that the entire year. Are we playing faster or slower? Um, yeah, and or or if you're a bigger team and you want to focus on your set piece, or if you want to focus on your uh, your defensive uh, defensive systems, and you just got to cater it towards your team. Cool. And uh, what kind of game you want to play, whether it's a big disco game or you want to play a, a set-piece game or if you want to play very quick transition uh, with, a, with a lot of a lot of quick ball. I mean, you got to find the metrics that cater towards your, your style of play. And just so I'm clear, ruck speed is the amount of time that the ball is in the ruck? Or... Yep. yep. So with the Eagles, we try to, we try to measure, uh, we call it lightning quick ball. So any, anything lightning quick is... The ball is out of the hands of the nine within three seconds of the contact. Um, so if the, the tackle starts and uh, he does a barrel roll because he wasn't held long places and the ball gets taken out in, in three seconds, then uh, most times the defense can't get set in that, in that amount of time. That's pretty quick. But if the defender gets a hold of the ball or slows it down, like you said, get a double tackle on the, on the carrier, uh, obviously then we're going to give that a slower mark. But we're trying to get, you know, a lightning quick ball as much as possible. Keep the defense on their back foots. Yeah, and so three seconds is probably ideal. What's like average? Um, so typically we have anywhere from forty-five to sixty percent of thirty of quick quick ball. Yeah, depending on the, the type of game. Um, a ruck would average ruck would be about three and a half four four seconds. But that half second makes a big difference uh, if you can, if you can get it away under three seconds versus being over three. It's it, just that much more time for you to have on the ball versus defense being the reset. Yeah, so that's kind of keeping the defense on their back feet. Exactly. Uh, great. So, what is your responsibility as the analyst at halftime? Like when you're coming into the tunnel, like what are you? What are the key points that you're trying to get over to the coach and to the players? Um. Well, as as you can see, like halftime, you you've got usually fifteen minutes. Twenty um, percent of that will be donated or given towards player re- rejuvenation. Because if you go in there right away yelling messages, 
the, the players are still exhausted catching their breath, but you got to let them catch your breath first. So you got to be really specific in, in your messages and you have to be really, um, really, but you have to be specific, but you also have to have concrete evidence as well that the players can actually see or they can understand. Um, so in, well, in the game, uh, we've got multiple cameras uh, or multiple computers with camera angles. So we'll be in the box uh, breaking up the footage and preparing um, videos and uh, stats for halftime. So then we'll go down with the laptop and present these uh, usually th three headline messages uh, of what we're seeing and, or what we can improve, um, whether it's something in the line out or the kicking game or uh, defensive structure. Uh, yeah, we usually keep the three messages. If you get any more, uh, it gets watered down. The boys don't really soak it all in because they're exhausted. The, the pressure's high. Uh, yeah, you can't really uh, you know, beat around the bush. You really just got to get to the point. Yeah, definitely. Um, so during this quarantine, what have you been doing to help the, the Eagles? Um just really trying to prepare for the upcoming uh, campaign. So whether we're working on the workflow and our, our, uh, our processes on how we do things or uh, adjusting my code windows, I'm coding uh, games, uh, I just looking at different stats or different way to do things. And I've been watching a lot of rugby, a lot of my replays and reruns of uh, the world cup, uh, super rugby, very excited. It's going to start up pretty soon, so I can stop watching reruns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and just trying to get the players involved virtually as well, getting them watch more rugby. Um, not so much watch themselves, but just watch games in general and um, educating themselves and becoming better, better, better players uh, mentally, and then they you know can form the field later on. So when you're getting a player to watch rugby, are you giving them a full match to watch? Are you giving them like clips from a match or you're giving them like a chunk of the match to watch? Like what are you providing to the players? Uh, typically I like to send the entire match and then just say a few, you know, timestamps. If, um, oh, with, with, with USA, I'm able to send out the game with, and then I send out my code. So I'll have the game broken up. And the guys can go in and actually look at the round, look at the, one, the way they want to look at it. So they can look at all the scrums, all the lineouts, all the turnovers, uh, all all the opposition possession, all of our possession. Um, so all, yeah, I, don't, I just send the entire game out, um, and then they have the the actual code to break it up, and they can watch it themselves. Uh, but if I was would just send it out, I, I would send out the entire game because that way the players can watch what they would like to watch. Um, and they and they can see the game in the entirety as well. Um, I think if you bullet point something, it's kind of nice because the players can review it quickly. But they also can't uh, they can't make their own their own their own uh, assumptions as well. Um, does Huddle give you a report as to what the players actually watch, like the amount of time they've watched or what segments they've watched? Yep. So it'll tell us the uh, the time for each player reviewed and how many he's watched each week or over the past seven days. Um, and we keep track of that, and they know that. We, we mentioned it to <laughs> keep them honest. Nice, nice, uh, great. So, what do you see as your trajectory, or what are your goals as a coach? Um, just constantly improving and uh, changing the way I, way I do things. If if I think it's uh, you know 
done perfectly, then maybe I'll look at it a different way and try to adjust it. Um, but yeah, just trying to stay involved with rugby and uh, teaching younger players, younger people about this game and developing the youth of this game. And the, the I think USA can be something pretty special in the world of rugby, but we just have to get um, get some numbers behind it and start developing the youth. And uh, yeah, and we we'll start seeing that talent come through at younger ages, and we we can start competing with these uh, these top tier teams. Great. Um... Great. So now I just got some questions to kind of wrap up. Um, So these are questions I ask everybody, but what are some of your favorite coaching books? Um, I'm currently reading uh, Urban Meyer's book and his is uh, above the line. He talks about living uh, up to standards, not down to rules. That's, that's always a pretty powerful message. Um, And then I've also enjoyed reading uh, Bill Walsh's, uh, the scoreboard doesn't matter as well. It's um, it's just those are some great leadership and uh, cultural books. If coaches are looking to read about leadership and how the, these guys that build championship teams based on the person more than it is the athlete. That's great. Yeah, I got this. The score that takes care of itself is uh, on my reading list. I'm waiting for it to arrive from Amazon. But then I hadn't picked up the Urban Meyer book yet. That's a great suggestion. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, it's a really good, easy read. It's a uh, yeah. It's, it's well written for sure. Cool. Uh, now you're not on Twitter, so I won't ask you for three people to follow on Twitter. But uh, do you have three coaches that you admire, or aspire to be, or would recommend um, following if they are on Twitter? Um. Yeah. Uh, well, I think he, if you don't follow Gary Gold, the USA head coach, he does a. Uh, uh, a great job and he shares some great stuff especially through analysis he loves he loves to do some numbers uh with analysis so it's um it's it's always great to see um see what he, he, he's sharing uh and I, I think scott robinson um is always a great one to follow as well we just won the championship with the crusaders last year um he, he's a very intelligent coach and has a lot of uh good information to share and then lastly uh how can you not follow Eddie Jones? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got he's got plenty to share, and he's not afraid to uh, speak his mind. So he's uh, um, got his own podcast now, which I highly recommend. Does he? Oh, I'll check that out. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, no, he's a he's a brilliant coach, and uh, he's got a lot of uh, unique ideas for sure, and a uh, different way of thinking. Uh, so those are three guys that would really uh, um, elevate your education if you're not following them already. Great. Yeah, I'll definitely add them to the list. And then just to f- one final question. Uh, do you have one cool or obscure fact about rugby that you think people should know? Um, well, actually, I was reviewing it uh, over these past couple of weeks. But is the new uh, new law book that got released? And uh, did you know that you can no longer score at the bottom of the goalpost pad? I did know that. Yeah, that was all over Facebook uh, and Twitter. People were very yeah, frustrated it, with that change. Yeah. Make sure the uh, the players know that you don't want to see anybody diving at the bottom of the post during the season, and <laughs> yeah. they don't get a they don't get a try for it. So, I had a uh, player once who thought that you could score a try just by touching the ball to the goalpost. So he oh, he tried to score a, goal, a try at mid waist, and then everybody okay. kind of just looked at him. <laughs> I was wondering what yeah. was what was going on. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so that, that that's always been a pretty obscure rule. So. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting when I read that, but it was more for the safety, I guess, because you guys are 
pulling the, the cover off the pad and whatnot. Yeah. In order to defend, so, um, yeah, that's pretty obscure. I think that you can score the bottom or not, not more, but you could. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. Well, that's what I got for questions, Jimmy. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Great. Chris, thanks for having me. Uh, it was great chatting to you. And, uh, if, uh, by all means keep in touch, reach out when, uh, anything absolutely cheers man all right take care man hey this is your host chris just recording this quick outro in order to give an introduction to myself so you know who's recording these podcasts so i grew up in vermont in the united states uh grew up playing american football basketball baseball then i went on to college at middlebury college also in vermont uh, the first day on campus, I met the rugby coach. He happened to work in the bookstore, and he educated me on how to save money on used books in order to purchase what the per- amount of alcohol I could purchase with, with, with the savings. He also uh, told me I had the natural biology of a hooker, so my parents were a little confused and definitely a little, a little unsure of me playing rugby. But I immediately played football for my first semester on campus, um, didn't really fit in, didn't really enjoy it anymore, and decided to give rugby a try. Was a part of two national championships while I was at school, uh, Division Two, And then after college, I decided to switch from playing to refereeing. Um, loved refereeing. Did it for about 10 years. Got to ref some incredible matches, including the U.S. Collegiate All-Americans versus Cambridge University. Um at the, well, I first started refing. I also uh, got started my coaching career. I coached Brandeis University, which was a small college in Waltham, Massachusetts. Um, did that for two years before deciding to focus on my refereeing career. Um, then the past year, I have gotten back onto the coaching side. Uh, I joined Harvard University as their analyst, uh, which sparked my interest in interviewing analysts, which is the birth of this podcast. So that's where I kind of came from, where I am now. Um, my hopes is to eventually become a head coach again uh, with a collegiate program somewhere here in the United States, and then to continue to build on what I've started here at Harvard. So thank you for listening. Uh, we have a very special guest coming up for the next episode. So please subscribe, stay tuned, and uh, enjoy. Con- uh, cheers. Cheers.